ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbour for the good purpose of building up the neighbour. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So in case you missed last week's sermon, Paul's back on this thing about Christians with more freedom being careful of those with less. So it must be important. We need to look out for each other, encourage each other. Jesus put up with a lot of stick, if you can describe the the cross in that way. So why can't we put each other's good first? He goes on. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. He's talking here about the Old Testament. Paul tells us we can learn things from it and be encouraged by it. But how exactly? Think about it. Paul, through the book of Romans, has actually been telling us that the law doesn't, the Old Testament law, does not have authority in the life of a Christian believer in it anymore. So it must be something else. Now, in Hebrews 11, there is a list of the heroes of the faith, which includes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs, and then later Moses, David, and Solomon. That's sort of the, 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 top, the top tier of Old Testament stars. Now, Doug gave an excellent sermon here a while back, which is still on the website, if you want to listen to it, about Abraham and Sarah. And for all his faithfulness, Abraham had massive feet of clay. He allowed his wife to be taken into the harem of a king as he had told the king that she was his sister. He was afraid that the king would kill him and take Sarah anyway. How many times did that happen? Not once, it happened twice. Not great. You won't find that in James Dobson's marriage guides for couples. And later, his son Isaac does the same thing with his wife Rebecca. And Jacob, his son, their son, well, he's a right piece of work, isn't he? Who cons his father into giving him the blessing meant for his brother Esau. He later plays favourites with his kids with catastrophic consequences. And I could go on and I will. Moses murders one of the Pharaoh's guards and runs off into the desert for 40 years. Then God drags him back to lead his people, but he suffers this torturous self-doubt about his ability despite God's very clear call on his life. Then we go to David, you know, the man after God's own heart. But famously has Uriah killed so that he can take his wife Bathsheba to be his own. We'd lock you up for that. And you should be. Also, he's a terrible father to his daughter Tamar and his son Absalom, which leads to a bloody civil war. Now, where am I going with all this? Well, if God can do good things through those reprobates, then it would be child's play to do good things through us. That's encouraging. Well, I find it encouraging. And there are so many stories of his bearing with his rebellious people, his faithfulness and his love for them, despite how they treat him. We can draw great encouragement from these stories. Paul continues. 
May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I should clarify, that's harmony with a little h, it's not the church, it's just down the road, capital H. Okay. The blessing of God is to live in harmony with each other, so that together we can worship God the Father. Harmony equals unity. Now, I've often had this conversation with pagan friends. Why does your God need to be told he's so great all the time and so wonderful? Is he a bit insecure about who he is? You had those conversations? Heard those comments? Well, the short answer, I think, is that he doesn't. But it's part of our makeup as humans that what or who we worship shapes who we are and who we are becoming. Our God wants us to worship him for our sake so that increasingly we will reflect his qualities of mutual love, kindness and holiness. That we grow up and into the image of God that we are designed to bear. Now it works in reverse too. For example, if you worship the Norse gods, Odin and Thor and all of that, then you are putting their warrior strengths, their toughness, their ruthlessness as the supreme values. Now those values shape the Vikings into the force of nature that you can read about in Wikipedia. That's who they became. Likewise, if your take on the Christian God is harsh and judgmental and moralistic, so too you will become. Worship changes us. Worship is a very powerful thing for a person to do. And then Paul says, welcome one another. Therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We are called not just to tolerate each other. And on a bad day, tolerate, I think, is pretty good, actually. But he's calling us beyond that, to welcome each other. We are to embrace each other, warts and all. Jesus welcomed you and I. So if you're good enough for him, then you should be good enough for me. That's challenging. And I can say that as I look out. That's challenging. But it's what Christian unity looks like. Paul continues. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised, that's the Jewish people, on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that lot, and in order that the Gentiles, us, might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, these are Old Testament quotes, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, 
the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's message here to his original audience, the weak, those with really strong ties to their Jewish heritage, was that Jesus has gathered the Gentiles to himself as was always God's plan. Look at the Old Testament, it's all through it. He could have mentioned other verses. In Genesis 12.3, God says to Abraham, his descendants will bless Israel. No, his descendants will bless the whole world. In Isaiah 49.6, Israel was to be a light to the nations, to all of us. Now his message to the strong, or those not so tied to a Jewish heritage, was that in New Zealand terms, for God, the Jews are like Tangata Whenua the first people by which and through he worked out his plan of salvation. So weak, strong, don't be so quick to judge the other because you're here in combo for the purposes of God. Together both Jew and Gentile are to be God's people to the praise of his glory. Now, who here has heard of the Parachute Festival? I used to go occasionally, used to take a troop of youth groupies from Wellington, about 20,000-odd people up in the Waikato. It's now been replaced by Festival One, I think it's called, much smaller thing. And at Parachute, they used to have lots of stalls and shops selling food and merchandise. And do you know what the most stolen item at the Parachute Festival was? Close. Those little WWJD wristbands. What would Jesus do? Apparently, Jesus would pinch Christian merchandise. <laughs> Have a look at this. This hangs in our lounge. And one, someday I'm going to work out how I can get it to church. And I'm going to preach on it. The problem with getting it here is it's um, 1.4 metres wide and 1.8 metres high. So it's about three of me and change. Now I know this type of Colin McCann art is not everybody's thing by a long way, but I love it. And I first saw it hanging in a church. And I just stood and I was mesmerised by it. And I looked at it for ages, to the utter delight of the artist who was not well appreciated by the church. Steph and I talked with him for ages, and at the end of that conversation he gave it to me. Can you see, and it's Philippians 3, 7 to 12, you know that, but whatever was to my profit I now count as loss. Can you see the backdrop? Behind it, it's a K, an N, an O, a W. Jesus. Sort of sitting in the back sort of like a watermark. It's the subtext of the Philippians passage. Paul wants his readers to truly know Jesus. Well, Romans 15, 1 to 13, also has a subtext. Now, if I was in in Sunday school class, I'd ask, what is it? 
And a good girl would put up her hand very quickly and she'd say, Faith. And then the little boy might put up his hand and say, Jesus. Well, in this case, it would be the little boy that was right. Paul mentions Jesus' suffering by bearing the insults of others on the cross. His welcoming of us. His being a servant of God's people. This isn't a picture of this triumphant Christ who bestrides the universe like its king that often our, our worship songs are about. Rather, this is a picture of Jesus as God's suffering servant, which is in um, Isaiah 53, who bears our pain so that we might be gathered up as God's saved people, who puts us ahead of himself. Self. That is what we are being called to be in this passage. People who put each other first and are thereby able to come together in unity to worship the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome. Now I'm going to close with um, a song which says it better than I can preach it. Just invite you to listen and reflect and then if the worship team can come up. No 
she sings with the mountains memory high in my there's a cloud full in these aisles just playing chase with the sun and it's black and it's white Please stand. Let's praise our good, good Father.
up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face, the rains fall soft upon your fields, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Have a good week.